The opinions and statements expressed in the program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to episode 56 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania and to relentlessly pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem, even if people think you're a professional pain in the ass. We have another new abnormal episode planned for today, and like all episodes of The Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts. You, them, and me. Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we utilize an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can always drop us a line at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Today for the you part, we have our latest regular feature, Unscripted Cohorts, plus an update on how to buy whiskey in Pennsylvania that we couldn't get to last episode. We ran out of time. And speaking of which, we have another one on there, a philosophical look at dog napping, which we didn't have time for last time either. I'll blame our cohorts. You had a lot of good questions. After the you part comes part two, the them part, where each episode we host a guest to help us showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Today's guest is, a again, a heavy mix of the political and the cultural. He's Chad DeSantis, a self-described professional pain in the ass. This one should be a good one. After that comes the me portion of the Pennsylvania Project, where it'll be my turn, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw. Today, I'll be ranting about the recent Reopen Pennsylvania rally in Harrisburg. And throughout the show, as is our long-established custom, we typically feature a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to serve as narrator to read our live commercials. But since we're living in such interesting times, we've been asked to minimize our in-studio presence, which means today, we again, we have no narrator. But the good news is, is that we typically have a second Toastmaster with us, according to another of our ancient customs, somebody to help us read and respond to whatever comes into our mailbag and to join in discussions with our guest. It's a role that we call cohort, and he's sitting across from me right now, actually physically present in the studio, yay, ready to do double duty of cohort and narrator on this, his third appearance on the Pennsylvania Project. He's a member of the Drexel University Toastmasters in Philadelphia, Daniel Graciano. Welcome back. Attention, Ken. Ready and raring for duty. Yes, so it would seem. And you you don't know any better. You're still here anyway. Brave the virus. Brave the people out here in the control room. Brave our producer, Mark, who's, I don't know, I think he's half asleep now. Well, like you said, Ken, I never learn. Yes. So what things going on at Drexel? You, you graduating this year or what? No, I wish I was graduating. Actually, I don't think I do wish I was graduating. That's certainly going to be an interesting ceremony, how those kids are going to do it. Uh-huh. No, I'm, I still have another year left of uh, classes before I'm all done, good and done. And right now, all classes are online via Zoom. So you're actually doing stuff? Yes, we are. Well, congratulations. Is it working? Uh, with moderate success. I would actually dare to say for my classes, they've been working really well. Uh-huh. Um, the teachers that are prepared, that have done everything that they're supposed to do. Their Zoom lectures are working just fine. Uh, the older <laughs> fellows don't really have as good of a grasp on the whole technology thing, though. I hear you. 
I mean, we, we're doing Toastmaster meetings now online. And last night we had the Division C International Speech Contest online. We, we had five competitors in the contest. I was one of them. And I won. woo Nice. So I'm now going on to the fourth level of the International Speech Contest, competing for world champion of public speaking. I'm very, very proud of that. And I got to blame my producer, Mark, because not only does he produce the radio show and do a good job here, he also produced my contest speech, which kind of worked, I guess. Obviously, I won, so it <laughs> must be good enough. Now, how many levels are there? Seven. Wow. So next level is the district level. And then after that, it's actually an online level after that. There are quarterfinals and the semifinals. Semifinals were supposed to be in Paris this year, but that's been canceled. And the finals also in Paris. So if I do this next one, this fourth level, the fifth level, I don't have to do anything because they're just going to take the same video of my fourth level speech, and they're going to judge that against other regions around America. And then if I win that, well, it would have been an all-expense-paid trip to Paris. <laughs> and je parle un peu de français. Complete with their own set of uh, infection-spreading viruses, too, yeah. to boot. <laughs> Wise guy. But anyway, we'll see. So I'm going to four out of seven. We'll see. And the competition gets tougher. My speech is autological. Well, let's leave that behind. People who want to can go look that up. Hmm. So let's do the cohort stuff. Let's get rolling here. You're supposed to have brought a nice question, your cohort. Well... And I have. Hopefully this will be a, a juicy one for you to uh, snack on. Unscripted. I haven't heard this before. So my question that I have for you is why should protests or rallies be allowed even if it poses a risk to the protesters or the general population? Well, that's an easy question. Who runs your life? You or the government? Who decides what risks you personally should take? You or the government? Me. Absolutely. So when, if I'm going to go to a, a protest, then it's up to me whether or not I go. It's up to me whether or not I take protections. And that's a very good question because my rant at the end of today's show is going to be about my participation in the Reopen Pennsylvania rally in Harrisburg that was held on Monday afternoon. But no, that's, that's a real easy one. Your life, your way, as long as you respect the rights and property of others. Now, you can do something stupid to yourself. You know, you may be like smoking tobacco, which of course was a known killer. I used to smoke tobacco. I love it. Oh man, I could start again in a New York minute. It's been 30, it's going to be 40 years. <clears throat> Excuse me. I guess it's 38 years right now since the last time I smoked regularly. But it's up to me to decide that. Does that answer your question? I'd say so. Oh, that was an easy one. Your life, your way. I mean, I'm a libertarian. What do you expect? Good. That leaves us more time for other people. We're going to be able to get to Grandmaster T this time. I got a, I got a notice from her saying, I thought you said you were going to answer my question last week. It's like, no, no, no. Anyway, what do we got? Ah, yes. Grandmaster T. <laughs> Love that name. Well, one of the questions that she asked is, so I heard your show where, I heard your show where you said that the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board website was overwhelmed ever since they started taking online orders. It's been impossible to get in. But I figured out a way. I made their website the homepage on my phone. So every time I use my <laughs> phone, it tries to sign on to their website. It took less than a day before I was able to get in and stock up. Woohoo! <laughs> clever, very clever Grandmaster T. Then we can see why she calls herself a Grandmaster. 
it was what, four episodes ago, episode 53, that I first mentioned that they started taking online orders. At the time, I called it a Charlie Brown and the football moment because whenever I tried to access their website, it crashed their servers. Do you know what Charlie Brown and the football means? Of course. Yeah, man, that's good. I'm glad, I'm glad you young people remember something of the old days. Well, when, when I tried to get their servers, I'd always get a 404 page, and it would say, due to overwhelming demand, this online store is not available at this time. <laughs> yeah, right. And then to add insult to injury, it goes on to say, quote, please try again in the coming days. <laughs> in the coming days? Yeah, right. I am the great and powerful PLCB. Come back tomorrow. <laughs> Crazy. And I suppose there would also be people wondering, well, what if there are no more days to come? Uh, Where am I going to get my drinks from then? The people stayed in New Jersey. Police stayed in New Jersey. I'll tell you, I've been trying to get into that PLCB site for over a month now, and I have not yet succeeded. Now, I don't have the tenacity of our Grandmaster T, but you know, I've been trying, but it's, I'm thinking this could make a teetotaler out of me. No, not, no, no chance. But I will admit it is enough to drive you to drink. Although I don't know where you're going to get that drink. You know, I, I took some, look for some statistics, and I found that out of almost 3 million attempts, about 20,000 people got in. So that means 280,000 people were denied their alcohol. And Penn Live, I love Penn Live. It's a great news outlet. Let me give them a shout out. They reported one guy who called 214 times using two phones before he got in. <laughs> At least he could find a way through that. You know, get, get behind the curtain, find out who the wizard really is. You got to give credit to those people. Yeah, I don't give credit to Grandmaster T. That's a great tip. I tell you that way, you don't have to do it. It does it for you. And, you know, and there's related news to that. Uh, Ohio is getting very xenophobic about it all, about how the great and powerful Governor Wolf has closed all of our Pennsylvania liquor stores, and now Pennsylvanians along the western border are flocking to Ohio to buy their hooch. We'll have to ask our guest about that because he's pretty close to the border. But the Ohio's governor is now banning Pennsylvanians entirely from their liquor store, which, by the way, is a violation. I have here my United States Constitution, Article 4, Section 2, which says, quote, the citizens of each state shall be entitled to all privileges and immunities of the citizens of the several states, unquote. I guess they should append the words, except Pennsylvanians in Ohio... (laughs) And you know, there's a piece of irony about it all. I couldn't believe this. Do you know the name of the Ohio governor is? No. DeWine, D-E-W-I-N-E, capital W. You should change that. Change it to DeNoWine. <laughs> Maybe the wizard. Come back tomorrow. <laughs> Better yet. Never. I will say, though, it is certainly interesting, given all the events that are happening, what uh, local governments are doing in terms of uh, tightening their fists when they probably should be on certain uh, regulations. Tightening their fists on what sort of regulations? Well, I mean, you saw like the the Michigan uh, the Michigan governor and you know everything that she was doing, where she was banning landscaping and uh, Governor Wolf did that. Did that too? He's, he's banned all sorts of things. I'm going to be talking about that more later on too. Mm. But he's he's been playing little tin plated dictator on these things. <laughs> I started calling him Big Bad Wolf because he's not really that tall, but he is definitely that bad. I don't know. You know, I, we should probably move on. Otherwise, we're not, I'm not going to get this entire question out. I can see it already, but we'll give it a start. We have time. Hmm. Next one? Yeah. Excellent. So, Gregory Koch. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. K-O-C-H. Koch. 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 
There's a group of retired people in the area of the county where my parents oh, of the county where my parents lived in live in Virginia who spend their days driving around looking for abused dogs. They take the dogs when the owners aren't around, nurse them back to health, and find them good homes. They don't sell them and they pay for all the food and other care themselves. So, what are these dog nappers doing theft of property or private charitable animal rescue? Which are they doing, theft or rescue? That's a good question, Greg. It rides the boundary of right versus reason. Of course, it's a plain, simple, straightforward answer. Dog napping is theft. It's not your dog. You can't steal it, period. Open and shut case, legally speaking, my opinion. But if abuse is involved, it all becomes enshrined in Pennsylvania law. I don't know Virginia law, but I know Pennsylvania law. And in Pennsylvania, abuse is illegal. And the bulk of the animal abuse, I took a look at the statutes. It's in 18 CS 15, excuse me, 18 CS 5531 through 5561, plus in 18 CS 3129 when it comes to the sexual abuse of animals. Cover your kids' ears. I guess if you're mean to your animals, the state can take them away from you and toss your sorry butt into jail, as you probably so well deserve. But it's the state that can do that, not your dog-napping vigilantes. And, you know, in passing, I note that the law it only addresses animals, and specific animals. Quote, this is right from the law, dogs, cats, equine animals, bo- which are horses, bovine animals, which are cows. cows, sheep, goats, porcine animals, which are pigs, and domestic fowl. Well, fowls aren't animals, are they? No, you gotta have ma- mammary glands to be a mammal. Oh, that's mammal, not that's animal. Mammal. Is a fowl a mammal? Animal? It is not a mammal, but it's it is an animal. Okay, there you go. So it's covered. But it doesn't cover fish, reptiles, or turtles. I was looking, you know, because my daughter, she's had a turtle now since 96, 1996. Wow. Sally, we call it. That's short for salmonella, which they warned us we'd get if, they, if we had a turtle. But Sally's been in the family, I don't know, how long has that been now? It's like over 20 years. She's part of the family. We love her. But anyway, I was looking, and I couldn't find anything about abusing non-animals. There's prohibition on trafficking non-animals, but I guess it's still legal to get your jollies off a fish. (laughs) Yeah, I I caught a sucker the other day. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Anyway, that's legally speaking. But morally speaking, this is why I knew I wouldn't have time for this question, because it opens up a whole can of worms. You know, I mean... Can anybody really own an animal? Does the animal own themselves? I mean, what is abuse of an animal? I mean, dog training. I've seen dogs trained. Sometimes you whack them. <gasps> you whacked it. That's animal abuse. And it's the kind of questions we libertarians love to argue. But we're, we're out of time on this. I knew what would happen. But I'll tell you what, I'll save details for the other day. We'll look at the moral side of animal abuse. What can you do with an animal? That would include spanking children. Because they're animals, right? At least my kids were animals. Anyway, on that philosophical note, I was going to have to do it for the you portion of episode 56 of the Pennsylvania Project. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, we'll be meeting with today's guest, our self-described professional pain in the ass, Chad DeSantis. Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. 
But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late. Here's an interesting question. What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, people have at all times an inalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their governments as they think proper. Number two, juries shall have the right to determine the law as, as well as the facts. Number three, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Do these words sound like they're something from a Hollywood political thr uh, thriller? They're not. They're all direct quotes from Article 1 of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Everyone's heard of the United States Constitution, but have you ever even heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution? Have you ever read it? Most importantly, was it ever taught to you in school? If you're like virtually all Pennsylvanians, then the answers are likely to be no, no, and no. Well, it's long past time we changed those answers to yes, yes, and yes. All, and all you have to do, uh, and you have the crucial play, part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, we here at the Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions. So we've authored a petition demanding that the Pennsylvania Constitution be taught to our children. If you believe it's important for our children to know their state government and how their state government works, head over to our website, pennsylvaniaproject.com, and add your name to the growing list of signers. And every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we'll send a copy of the petition to the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each and every one of the 500, uh, 501 school districts in Pennsylvania, asking them right now to start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. So please, sign the petition at PennsylvaniaProject.com. The alternative, the alternative is yet another generation that has never heard of, let alone read the Pennsylvania Constitution. And people wonder why no, vote, no one votes anymore. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and welcome to the Them portion of episode 56 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help us showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. As I mentioned at the top of the show, today's guest is a mix of the political and the cultural. He's Chad DeSantis, former independent candidate for the mayor of, I'm going to butcher this, Monongahela, Pennsylvania. That's a bit south of Pittsburgh. And by the way, Monongahela was the last holdout during the Whiskey Rebellion. So we got a, some good history here. Chad calls himself several things, including an extreme urban gardener. I want to get into that. And a self-described professional pain in the ass. And I don't want to get into that. <laughs> well, anyway, welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Chad. And please go easy on me. Hey, Ken, how you doing? Thanks for having me on today. How are we? I'm sober, wide awake, not too miserable, but it's early in the day. I'll be able to work on all three. I just, just don't work on the miserable ah. part yet. <laughs> goals. Goals. Got to keep your goals, you know? That's right, man. And, you know, and I, I said that in my... Toastmaster speech last night. That's what I ended up with. You got to have your goal. It's got to be a word, a phrase, or a theme, and you got to single-mindedly go for it. And sooner or later, you'll well, get it. 
Well, one thing you mentioned uh, that you were right now was sober, and uh, I heard you uh, speaking with your friend there a little bit ago and stated that um, you had a few questions for me about uh, traveling across the border for liquor. I just uh, wanted to say that while sobriety has been my own personal goal, uh, I was elected to be the designated driver to go on a run for a few others. And uh, uh-huh. while we have been kicked out of Morgantown, West Virginia, Pennsylvania residents were still able to go and buy liquor in Wheeling, West Virginia. Really? Um, which I thought that was, yeah, I thought that was odd. Um, you know, some counties had said, no, 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 you Pittsburghers drink entirely too much. <laughs> Morgantown was ahead of the curve, and they said, no, we're going to save it all for us. What and was... if you've ever been to a party at West Virginia University, you'd know why. <laughs> no, no, I have not. <laughs> I'm, on the, I'm on the wrong side of the state, or the right side. You're on the left side. That's how you look at it. Go Mountaineers. Yeah, I don't even know. Oh, what, West Virginia? That's, that's what they call yeah. themselves? Yeah, I don't know. I'm a Pennsylvania yeah. guy. I, I get real fuzzy when I cross the border, especially the, the far yeah. border. No, what? absolutely not. But what, I, what I'll say about, um, you know, the we shut down – Several counties into Ohio, but Pennsylvanians can go deeper into Ohio and get it. And what I have to say about that is a quote by Jerry Reed. Um, you know, if the boys are thirsty in Atlanta and there's beer in Texarkana, they will bring it back no matter what it takes. <laughs> uh-huh. And it reminds me of what my campaign manager from my 2002 governor race said. He was from Tennessee, and they measured distances there in number of beers. Yeah, that's a three-beer drive. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, most certainly. Uh-huh. So anyway. I've been I, on a few of those Yes. And I do that too. My daughter calls them car beers. Yeah, how many car beers you got? <laughs> Runs in the family. Yeah, I that's guess. why I don't drink anymore. Oh, okay. Uh, Caution. But, you know. Tired of being a, a professional pain in the ass to the cops. Oh, no, 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 not so much. And those actually weren't my words. Those were the, uh, the, the description that, Description given to me by several city councilmen and the city clerk. Uh huh. Well, that's a good one. Why? I, I, why are they doing that? What did you What did you do that earned you such a fine title? Well, I've uh, I've been informed. I've asked questions. Um, whenever someone comes up with uh, something that they don't understand and they don't feel that they have a mouthpiece, um, you know, with with their elected officials, I've always been more than happy to uh, go out of my way to find answers for them. Uh-huh. Um, I filed. Um, dozens and dozens and hundreds of right to know requests um, just to, to find information. Um, I've gone and attended uh, municipal meetings and city council meetings. Um, I have ran for mayor as a um, as a write in, and I have uh, recently run for city council as a libertarian and lost by uh, forty votes. So, forty votes. Yeah, you know, we've gotten closer Ouch. and closer. Forty votes. Uh huh. You going to run again? Oh, uh, more than likely. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you know, next year, 2021, should be a different year. Uh, one would uh, hope. <laughs> you know, you pe- know, people are always asking me if, if I plan to run for governor again. And I, I have a, a two-part answer. And part one is if there's a million dollars in the bank come January 1st, 2022, I will consider it. And and the second one is uh, ask my wife and stand back when you ask. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. Our guest last week, she's a neighbor of yours, Kathy Smith. She was my yes. She was my Kathleen. Yes, she was my running mate. She was lieutenant governor candidate in 2018, and she was she and I. She's were, absolutely. She's what? She's absolutely fantastic. I don't have enough uh, enough nice things to say about my uh, my fellow Washington County I Libertarian know, Party. I agree with you. Here. You gotta love her. She's absolutely. 
you know, it, you know. And she was asking me if I was going to think of running for governor again. Now, having a radio show that goes out to Pennsylvania like this and focused on Pennsylvania is probably the best groundwork I could lay for it. But I'm thinking that, you know, maybe you should make room for somebody else. And she says, oh, is there anybody else that you're grooming for the, for the position? And I just looked at her and let the silence drag on. And she starts laughing. She goes, oh, no, no, no. I said, hey, you're the best we got, Kathy. Former president of the school she, board. Pretty girl. Oh, she, would, she, she would be absolutely fantastic. I mean, she is, uh, she is, she, she is up and educated and, uh, and, and would do a fantastic job. Yes. Um, I would put her on the short list for sure. I agree. You know, and there's, there's only a couple yeah. of people I think who have good enough knowledge of Pennsylvania and the government in the state libertarian party that could pull it off easily. Of course, I put myself in that category. You know, to be uh, to be well read and uh, an understanding of the Pennsylvania Constitution is what it takes to do that job. But uh, to be a municipal pain and be a, a pain in the ass at the municipal level, um, what it takes is to read uh, Pennsylvania. In my case, Pennsylvania third class city code. Read, understand. And even know how to reference it. Uh, uh -huh. You know, my case, third class city code, in some case, first, second class city codes, um, borough codes, township codes. If you read the municipal codes, um, you will find that generally you have picked up a document that many of your local municipal leaders uh, rely <laughs> on a solicitor to read. So know and understand. Uh -huh. Well, a lot of them have um, read it. <laughs> You know, and they haven't. And uh -huh. uh, you watch. You make sure that you do what they're supposed to do. And the next thing you know, you will earn yourself a badge of honor as a pain in the ass, too. There you and go. We'll a few more. And, you know, it was a couple episodes ago I went on about the importance of running for public office. I did two episodes back-to-back -back about how you can run for public office. One about how to go door-to-door. -door, another one, how to organize a rally. What were the other two? I forget now. I don't have my, I don't have my notes handy with me either. Shame on me. But it, it's it's easy. I mean, everybody could, should start going to their local township meetings. Typically, they're once a month, and they always welcome their citizens. They have to. They got no choice. And you can find out what's going on. Especially, you know, you should. Uh, in many municipalities, you should even be able to watch them online. And if you can't watch them or listen to them online, then you should go to one and you should demand that they do it. And if they won't. Under their under their own power and under their own accord, you could do as I did and record them live on Facebook, <laughs> yeah. um, broadcast them for three years until a new mayor finally gets elected and, and brings a cell phone and says, let's do this under the city. So uh -huh. that's something that I worked at for three years, and now the city of Monongahela broadcasts their own Facebook, their own uh, you know, uh -huh. municipal meeting live feed, um, which is something that I'm, I'm very proud of. Other municipalities around us have started doing it as well. You're preaching to the choir here, Chad, because I did the same thing in Abington Township. I set myself up in the well, corner. Well, we all have to. Yeah. I set myself you know, up in the corner. A, wi with a my wise man once said, if, if it is up to me, if it is to be, it is up to you. And that's <laughs> what it takes in a small town. You know, we have to start. Wise guy. People who listen to this show have heard me say that a lot. Oh, You're I stole that line from you, Ken. I cannot tell a lie. I know. You're the wise guy, if you ask me. Professional pain in the ass. <laughs> I told you to go easy on me. No, I, I started to say, oh. I started to say, Abington Township, I did the same thing. This is back in the, I guess around the 2000s, early 2000s, the noughties as I call them. I started bringing in my own camera. I stuck in the corner with a big sign on the side. It said, free copies available courtesy of the Abington Libertarians. And they hated me. Oh, they hated me. They, they complain about me and there's nothing they can do. There's a court case 
Hain versus City of Reading, H-A-I-N versus City of Reading, which says absolutely you're allowed to do that. And I actually rescued a couple people. The head of our local League of Women Voters was looking to use this, the township building for one of their debates. And the minutes of their meeting, the commissioner's meeting, said she wanted to do it for a wine and cheese party. Of course, she was livid. I mean, it just besmirching their league's good name and everything. And she came to me, she says, Ken, I got to get a copy. So she got a copy and she just paraded it in front of them and she had them change it and she was just so happy. So you can stop tyranny in your own neighborhood. Just go to your local township meetings. You ever been to one, Daniel? Unfortunately, I have not. Oh, you should. We have self-government here, which means you got to do it yourself. Good stuff, Chad. And it took him three years? Uh, it took me it took him three years of me being a pain in the ass to get the uh, <laughs> to get the live feed of the video. However, prior to my starting, they did put audio recordings. Uh, they did put up audio recordings, uh-huh. but it was a long fight. Um, I had to get you know we started by um, we actually a, uh, a fellow that owned a uh, computer shop in town went to the uh, went to city hall and scanned all sorts of records, all sorts of documents. Um, uh, in general, municipal codes, um, you know, municipal codes, um, uh, codes of ordinances and whatnot, and scanned them and put them up on his own personal website before the city would put them up themselves. <laughs> um, nice. You know, and these are ordinances that every resident should be able to simply go online and look yes. up. Yes, this is um, you know, it's the 21st century, man. What the heck? Yes, absolutely. And if you're not sure how, go to the office of open Rep- the Pennsylvania Office of Open Records website, and they have directions as to what to do and how to do, and even have inform- inform- informational seminars as to what the right to know law will allow, uh-huh. um, and and tell you how to do it. So, you know, I want to get into a little bit more, a little bit more about that. But right now, I have to say, I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk, and you're listening to episode 56 of the Pennsylvania Project. We'll be right back after this information with more of our self-described professional pain in the ass, Chad DeSantis. Do you like the Pennsylvania Project? You must. After all, you're listening to it right now. But would you like more? More of the rants? More of the guests? The fun? Well, you're in luck, because by popular demand, we've added even more content. Things like keeping the mics live after the credits roll at the end of the show while we continue our on-air conversations. It's all 100% unscripted and often includes things we can't say on the air. Or shouldn't. Would you like to access each episode of the day it's recorded? Live streams of every show as it happens? Behind-the-scenes interviews and bonus videos with our guests? All this is now available at thepennsylvaniaproject.com. But wait, there's more! Sign up today, and you also get a copy of Ken's no- novel, Atlas Snubbed, a parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. And you can call, even call that. And you can even call in live and participate on the show. How's that for more content? You can be the content. So, if the idea of more Pennsylvania Project excites you, head on over to PennsylvaniaProject.com and click the More Fun link top of the page. Solve the correct problem correctly and sign up today. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, caster for the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job. At least for some people it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do these words describe you? Competent leader? 
communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me. I joined Toastmasters, and now I have my own radio show. So turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome, and please be sure to mention my name. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. It all starts at Toastmasters.org. Are you a small business owner always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on, on ads. You, don't, you won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stephenworley.com. That's Stephen with a V. W-E-R-L-E-Y dot com. Fly fishermen, new and old, understand the importance of affordable quality gear. At Christopher Faves Fly Fishing, we have provided that for over a quarter century. Whether you fish, whether you fish dries, wets, or any combination, <coughs> Christopher Fave, F-A-V-E, flyfishing.com, as an American-made leader for you. Pennsylvania Proud, our reputation rests solely on your complete satisfaction. Again, that's Christopher ChristopherFaveFlyFishing.com. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and we're back with episode 56 of the Pennsylvania Project and Chad DeSantis, our self-described professional pain in the ass from Mungalahila, Pennsylvania, just south of Pittsburgh. And Chad, you still with us? I'm still here, Ken, uh, and it's Monongahela, but we call it Mon City around here where I'm at. Mon I can tell you a story City. about two Indians in a canoe. Uh, all right. Uh, so, so, celebrating our 250th anniversary that, uh, just last year, actually. Uh, but no, uh, the city of Monongahela. Uh, while you say Monongahela and the Oak Ridge Boys said Monongahela as well, there's a story that's uh, passed down from uh, generation to generation about two Indians in a canoe. Um, see, they're. Uh, two Native Americans years ago, they had a canoe full of money, and they decided that they were going to take the boat across the river, and somewhere partway through, the canoe sank, and whenever Ouch. they swam back to shore and, and came to the base the banks of the city of Monongahela, they said, money go to hella. Uh, That's how we got our name. Really? Ah, oh, you, got, you got me on that hook, line, and sinker. As, <laughs> as legend tells. Uh-huh. And I'm a canoeist, so I, I can understand that. And, you know, there, there are river rats along the upper Delaware on the Jersey side, of course. They, they'll tell canoeists the wrong way to go. When the canoe flips, they'll, they'll go digging through the, or swimming through the rapids and pick up all the cameras and beers and other things these people flip. So I guess the eastern half of the state has similar stuff, except we don't go naming places after it. Uh, you know, I want to come back to what you were saying before the break about the different township codes. Do you have a citation for that where it's at in the in the law? Like it was it the municipal code is in title what? 99? I, I don't know. Uh, title 18 perhaps. Um 
there's there's multiple municipal codes. There's a municipal building code, and then you have a, a municipal code of ordinances, which is usually within the um, within its own um, you know within um, title. the municipality's own uh-huh. title, uh, which is buried within. I think it's Title 18 that contains uh, third class city codes. I'm not a lawyer. I I couldn't tell you what uh-huh. the titles are, and you don't have to know them. To understand what the codes are, you just go to go to Google, go into Google and pull up third class city code, and you'll find a uh, you'll find a somewhat easily navigable PDF. I agree. Download from the DCED ABCD one of the government governmental alphabet soup agencies. Yep, and you know, it, it, it can't be too difficult, or else lawyers wouldn't be able to do it. it right, right. I mean, I can do it. I'm 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 <laughs> not. Formally educated. I do not have a college degree, and I'm the biggest pain in the ass that the city's ever seen. <laughs> no, <there's, laughs> you know, there's one thing you didn't mention. I mean, there is the township code and the, all the first class, second class cities and all that. But there's one thing I found out from Abington is that they have their own rules of order. You know, like Robert's rules of order with seconding and making motions and all that. And they're different from town to town to town. And I found out the hard way because they have all these strange rules and it seems to me to be unfair because they allow their president commissioner to make motions to discuss things and everything. I mean, that's hardly impartial. So, uh, you know, often it is. And, and there's tradition. One of the things that they do here in our city is they have traditionally all, um, you know, the mayor and council have all voted in the same order for years and years and years and years and years. And they vote in the order of, um, you know, in the order of seniority, whoever the, the senior most elected official is votes first. And they go on down the line, so they each could vote after, and, and none of them get to speak independently. Yeah, you know that sucks. I mean, anything they can do just um, to silence other voices, enough to make you vote libertarian, it. ain't it? Very much so. <laughs> and if you want to learn Robert's rules of order, there's no better place to learn than a libertarian party. Because <laughs> one of the things that we do is argue about Robert's rules of order. Constantly. No, we don't. No, we don't. We never argue. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I read something just today. I was reading Arthur C. Clarke's uh, 3001. He's the guy who wrote 2001, A Space Oddity, and he did one 3001. He's complaining that in 3000, they're saying that back in, in around 2000, that people would argue religion is some minor, minor little point that made absolutely no difference to outsiders. And I read that, and I said, that sounds like the libertarian religion to me. So much. I don't know. And so he's, much so. Very, very much so. And he's British. You know, I'm, I'm going to shift the subject here because one thing we mentioned was that you call yourself an extreme urban gardener. What is extreme? I am. What's extreme urban gardening mean? Uh, that would be the production of as much, um, you know, produce and um, produce and, and generally involves chickens. Um, but it's, it's the production of as much as of sustainability on your own property has always been my goal uh-huh. um, you know it's it's the the ability to be sustain, sustainable in a city lot or in a uh, in a small municipal lot in our case we have a half an acre and I actually share crop elsewhere because I like to play with garden tractors but, um, <laughs> okay. you know another another no. farmer in the in within the city limits there is a farm within the city limits and I've teamed up with a with a very 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 incredible farmer who's also a train robber um, train and, robber? Uh, you know, I've got a, what does he do? Yes, he goes he, around uh, looking for people abusing trains and steals them? Uh, they Flashback. put on a, uh, the family puts on a horse show, and they're, they're incredible horsemen, and um, 
and uh, uh, oh. musicians, and then they they will uh, they go into West Virginia and they put on a show where they'll uh, people ride the train. They come and they rob the train and they ride, they play music on the way back. Like really? That. So, How about that? Uh, so they do that. But he said, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, he's amazing with animal husbandry. But um, they said, uh, you know, they, they got brown thumb. So huh. I've gone up there now with my green thumb and my little garden tractors, and we're, we're homesteading a little piece. Uh huh. Um, helping to build the helping to build the homestead. Extreme urban homesteader, I think, would there be the go. word that I'm going for. And you got to be careful. Uh, yeah, gotta, I mean, you got to be careful with that phrase, animal husbandry. I remember the the satirist Tom Lehrer from the '60s. He said there was a guy who practiced that till they caught him at it. Anyway, I I I, 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 well, I, I digress. Uh, husbandry, um, animal husbandry is actually a term that um, you know we found in uh, in a fight with the municipality about chickens. Um, yeah, chickens are an extreme or are, are an absolutely integral part of our little extreme urban farm. The the handful of chickens that we have that we're allowed here, we can feed all of our produce waste. Um, and they in turn produce compost for us, which we use to is a uh, is an or, is an organic fertilizer. Wow! And um, I mean, it's all the sustainability cycle. That's the cycle of sustainability. Um, you know, you you plant it, you grow it, you make it into compost, and then you plant it and grow it again. Uh huh. Um, you know, in order to be able to do that, you know, it, it really pays to have uh really pays to have animals and livestock to to eat and help to turn your uh your produce yeah except uh, except i have uh all these allergies i'm allergic to your chickens i'm allergic to animal dander so i can't do cows excuse me bovine animals or whatever they call them so i'm, I'm kind of well i don't really think there's, there's not too much of a place for a cow in a, on a half acre lot uh-huh. Um, so you wouldn't have to worry about that all that much, but um, you know, I have never heard of anyone having a problem with being allergic to chickens, especially in a uh, you know in a small coop thin area. Uh, eggs, though, <laughs> I am allergic to eggs. You must have a high cholesterol number. I do, I do, <laughs> and I'm proud of it. Wouldn't have it any other way. Uh huh. That's cool. Are they difficult? I mean, you have a bit of a reputation in the Libertarian Party as as Mister Chicken. <laughs> well, you're, uh, I believe your executive producer over there has heard quite a few of the stories. Um, you, know, we, uh, you got him smiling. Once, once upon a time at a thing called the Mid-Atlantic Liberty Festival, he was he was once that word got back to me that every time I said chicken, he drank. So, um, <laughs> well, you know, they do the same thing. He didn't to, leave that room sober. They, they do the same thing to me. Every time I mention Toastmasters, they drink. They do. Well, those are the libertarian drinking games. Every time I say chicken or you say Toastmaster, everybody has to drink. <laughs> I, yeah, I like our party. And those smoke-filled rooms sure uh, smell funny, too. Absolutely. You know, the Libertarian <laughs> Party is the party that knows how to party, so if you like the party, you should join the Libertarian Party. I know. You know, Ayn Rand called libertarians Republicans who smoke pot. And I was insulted about that because I've never been a Republican. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. I was a Democrat before I found the Libertarian Party. Yeah, me too. 20 years as a Democrat before I got tired of using your money for my my different plans. I did what my father told me to until I realized that that wasn't, didn't make any sense. <laughs> you know? That's that professional pain in the ass coming out again. I could see that. And that's it. You 
know, you got to do what you got to do, Ken. Amen. And you know, Chad, we are running out of time here. We only got a minute or so left. Is there anything we haven't covered that you want to sneak in there? Any anything? You know, microphone's yours. You got the whole Delaware Valley and half of New Jersey listening. What's on your mind? You know, the thing that I want to say is uh, just to, to tell everybody that's out there to go ahead and pay attention. You know, it was uh, not all that long ago that we fought a, that we fought an ordinance here in the city of Monongahela where. Um, the municipality wanted to throw people in jail for uh, for um, putting leaves and sticks in the trash. That's outrageous. Um, could have been up to 30 days. Now, there was also a um, recently a, a, um, another uh, fight over the ability to put stakes in the ground at a park. But now, due to the COVID, uh, due to the COVID-19, I had the day off work, so I did some uh, tree work around the house, and I cleaned up a tree, and I was taking some sticks, some leaves and sticks down to uh, down to City Hall, down to behind City <laughs> Hall to the uh, the municipal dump, so I could wouldn't go to jail. And I uh, oh, stopped and spoke to one of the councilmen who was down there, who told me that there was a problem with the signs at the park where you weren't allowed to put snakes in the ground. The people were stealing them, and I told him, I says, Rusty, you know. Um, the signs that state that the park is closed can't go there because of the COVID-19 and they, the city can't sanitize the benches fast enough. I told him, I says, you know what you can do to stop putting, stop people from stealing those signs? Stop putting the signs. in the ground. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, <laughs> All right. everything you do can come around full circle. Um, there's, yep. there's a means to an end and you are it. Um, yep. If it is to be, it is up to you. Yep, that you is know? right. Ten words, two letters each. If it is to be, it is up to us. Or if you make it personal, get out. Up to me. Yep. On that note, that's going to have to wrap it up for the them portion of the show. My thanks again to my guest, Chad DeSantis, our professional pain in the ass. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'll be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw: the recent reopened Pennsylvania rally. following is a commercial announcement. Hey, Daniel, how's it going? Bad, Ken. Really bad. Why? What's the matter? Our friends at the Internal Revenue Service paid me a personal visit the other day. Infernal Revenue Service? Oh, infernal, yes. Yep, call them for what they are. They sent these two big brutes to the house, scared us half to death. I bet. What did they want? Money. Lots of it. Remember that part-time gig I took on last summer? Oh, yeah. You were raking in some big bucks. Yeah, and all those big bucks went straight to my personal bank account. Turns out the IRS doesn't like that. And I didn't file any of the right forms or pay nearly enough in taxes, so they want it all, right now, plus penalties and interest. Ouch. Sounds like you should have called Amendment 16. Hey, it's a damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. No, no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them, and when your client pays them, they pay you minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th. And they take care of all the taxes, all the forms? Yep, and they can pass along certain tax breaks too. Man, I wish I knew about Amendment 16 sooner. Where can I find them? On the web, of course, at amendment16.com with 16 spelled out. That's amendment-s-i-x-t-e-e-n.com. One call does it all. Gun, own, gun Owners of America is fighting for your right to keep and bear arms in Pennsylvania and across the nation. GOA's No Compromise Approach protected the firearms industry during the coronavirus pe- pandemic and kept local gun stores open. 
in Pennsylvania, our members pressured sheriffs to start issuing concealed carry permits again during the crisis. A GOA membership gives you the tools to take action to fight for your Second Amendment rights. Our timely action alerts empower you to defend your constitutionally protected rights in Harrisburg and in Washington. <coughs> All Pennsylvania gun owners need to band together, and there is no better way of doing that than with a GOA membership. There hasn't been a more critical time to sign up, folks. Not only is this a presidential election year, but Congress and the entire state house of representatives are up for re-election. So join the GOA today for only $25. Go to gunowners.org slash join. That's gunowners.org slash join and become a member for only $25. Once more, that's gunowners.org slash join. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to the me portion of episode 56 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant a bit about something that really sticks in my craw. Today, it's the recent reopened Pennsylvania rally. Not sure what day you may be listening to this, but at the moment, Pennsylvania is still in lockdown. At least that's the rhetoric they're using. Because our totalitarian tyrant, the big bad Tom Wolf has been playing favorites with Pennsylvania's economy left and right. This is open, he decrees. That is closed, he commands. Often with his diktats at cross-purposes, and way too often not having any rational reason for them. For example, car dealerships were deemed non-essential and leaving any paid-for vehicles stranded on the lots. Even emergency vehicles like fire trucks that were ordered before the shutdown. Where's that at, Wolf? And there's all the flip-flopping. For example, at first, construction was deemed essential. Then the governor reversed the position and said it wasn't. And then there were certain construction sites were all of a sudden deemed essential again and others that weren't, even though the situations they both had were similar. Go figure. He's like Santa Claus, a big bad wolf. He has his list of naughty and nice, and he keeps changing the definitions of naughty and nice. And on what basis? Beats me. It's not a whole lot of visibility on what he's doing. Fortunately, right now, we broadcasters, we're on his nice list, at least for now. I keep waiting for them to try and shut me down because the Pennsylvania Project has been one of his harshest critics. So far, so good, but if we suddenly go silent, you will know why. You heard it here first. And it's not just us here at the Pennsylvania Project who's criticizing the way the big bad wolf has been bungling things. Because Pennsylvania has now begun to rise up against him. How cool is that? Earlier this week, my wife and I attended a rally on the Capitol steps in Harrisburg, organized by a newly created nonpartisan organization called Reopen PA. Last I looked, their Facebook page has over 50,000 members. I think they're, they're like brand new. They're only a couple weeks old. Although considerably fewer than 50,000 showed up at the rally. My guess is about 2,000 people showed up, and other reports I've seen have said thousands. So I figure a minimum of 2,000. Regardless, it was an exciting place to be. One speaker after another addressing the crowd. They all had the same theme. This lockdown is unconstitutional. The lockdown is hurting people. It's killing small business. It's a cure worse than the disease. And you cannot believe how loud the crowd was. It was beyond belief. And the speakers, when they got cheered, it was beyond decibel belief. There was one thing, though, that surprised me about the rally. It was, really, it was a great rally, but none of the speakers mentioned Sweden how they're not in lockdown. Sweden is not locked down. They have not made people's livelihoods illegal. People are going about their lives as usual. Nobody mentioned how out of the nine European countries, 
the biggest ones, Sweden is smack dab in the middle of the pack when it comes to per capita corona deaths. They're fifth out of nine. You know, when I first looked at it, it was over a month ago, and they were fifth out of nine. And I just looked at it again recently, and guess what? They're still fifth out of nine. They're still smack dab in the middle, and their per capita death rate is declining. The bottom line is that Sweden's libertarian approach is no better or no worse than the rest of Europe's lockdowns. They're not at the top of the heap, not at the bottom of the heap, right in the middle. You know what that means? It means there's no reason at all to shut down the economies of the planet or Pennsylvania. No reason of all at all to throw millions out of work. No reason at all. And I don't understand why none of the speakers at the rally used that damning evidence, that most damning evidence on how dead wrong the big bad wolf truly is. Rally was great, but that one omission that really, really sticks in my craw. I'm telling you. They did have a lot of other suggestions, all very good. And incidentally, it echoes the same advice that I've been giving these last six episodes about how you should do what Sweden is doing. Live your life your way, just as always, and the most vulnerable should self-quarantine rather than everybody self-quarantine. Because right now we're locking up everybody and destroying the economy. Nah, nobody mentioned it. So sad. Regardless, all in all, the rally was a great time. As I said, it was an exciting day. But there was one thing that really popped that bubble for me. It wasn't just the omission of the Sweden thing, but this one really popped the bubble. Because when we were walking back to the car to the rally, my wife asked me, do you th think it'll do any good? Do I think it'll do any good? For almost five seconds, I thought about that. Do I really think it'll do any good? Well, you know, I'm not going to lie to my wife, just like I wouldn't lie to you, my dear listeners. No, I told her, it's not going to do any good at all. Pop went my bubble. Because the truth is that they don't care what we think. They don't care that they're ruining the economy. They don't care who they're putting out of business. They don't care about you and me. And how do I know this? Let me quote some ancient wisdom you may recognize. Quote, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are a ravenous wolf. Pun intended. Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Unquote. Well, we can see Governor Wolf's fruits very clearly. He's locking people in their homes. He's seizing their businesses, seizing their way of life, destroying the economy, driving us deeper and deeper into debt from which we may never recover. Pretty crappy fruit, if you're asking me. You know, back in episode 13, I railed against our quote-unquote justice system about how the courts have taken the law out of our hands entirely with their $500 an hour lawyers, their unintelligible mumbo-jumbo rules, their racist justice you know, we're all about solutions here at the Pennsylvania Project, but when it comes to the justice system, short of revolution, I'm at a loss for one. But this virus is a different case. There is a solution, the Swedish solution. It's a no-brainer. Protect the vulnerable. Take good care of yourself. Keep the wheels of the economy turning. But for how we can implement that here in Pennsylvania, short of revolution, I'm at a loss. So how are we going to turn this totalitarian nonsense around? I do know the 2,000 protesters on the steps of the Capitol is not going to do it. 20,000? Maybe. 200,000? Surely. Let me remind, remind you that you, my dear listeners, are one of those 200,000. If it is to be, it is up to me. It is up to us. 
So the next rally they hold on the steps of the Capitol, my advice and opinion is that you had better be there or else you have no right to complain when they take away your livelihood. Alternatively, if you're the frontline in their faces, pain in the ass, patriot type, why don't you consider just going ahead and reopening your business? Just do it. Your example might encourage others and theirs might encourage others still. Why not lead by example? Let me lightly rephrase the ending of Arlo Guthrie's song, Alice's Restaurant, and pardon my accent. If one person, just one person does it, they may think he's really crazy and try to shut him down. And if two people do it, two people do it in harmony, they'll try to shut them both down. But if three people do it, three people, can you imagine three people opening up their businesses? They may think it's an organization. And can you imagine, can you imagine 50 people, I said 50 people opening up their businesses? And friends, they may then think it's a movement. And that's what it would be, the Pennsylvania Anti-Massacre Movement. And all you got to do is join is to sing the next time the rally comes around on the guitar. Or not. The choice is yours, my fellow patriots. On that unthinkable parodic musical notes, that's going to wrap it up episode 56 of the Pennsylvania Project. Our episode today is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting at, in Philadelphia at 860 on the AM dial every Saturday at 10 a.m. and in Goodstown at 1670 a.m. Webmaster Stephen Worley, marketing guru is Connor Dragotis, featured Toastmaster narrator and cohort Daniel Graciano, official bartender is Brooke Smith, keyboard wizard Joe the Pag, radio producer Brett Kronberger, executive producer Mark Bazzacco, and me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us, and remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem.